0: everyone and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. We are back with our regular Monday crew. I'm your host as always, Timuchin, here in Chicago in the non-stop raining and humid, nasty, storming Chicago for August, which is kind of weird, but not as weird as this freaking weekend. So it's just been pouring rain since. Uh, With us today in front of an angry club is even more angry Bickler. Bickler, what's happening? He's not as angry as I am. But um, I'm here and ready to party. Honestly, man, if we worked on the hair a little bit and stuff, I'm seeing kind of a resemblance there. Yeah, can you do the pout? Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, Also with us, with no club in the background, but still angry, is Gally. Gally, what's happening?
1: Always angry. Somehow I left Key West, came back to Western Massachusetts, and it was actually king hotter here today than it was there when I left, which is pretty ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I'm a chronic complainer of weather. My family loves it, so I'll complain about this in a little bit. I'll be complaining about the cold. It's just how I roll, and I'm in the best city for it in Chicago. So let's make you guys even angrier, shall we, and start with trivia. I have a good one since we just had the opener over here, which did not go very well, so we'll talk a lot about that. But it is regarding the openers. In the 31 Premier League season openers so far, what do you think the Liverpool record is? Bickler, let's go with you. As always,
2: 31, huh? This oh, yeah, that's going
0: to be tricky. There's like three numbers adding to yeah. 31, and go. I'll go. <laughs> the hamster. I'll go.
2: Wins. Seventeen. Oh, I picked a wrong number. I should have picked the easy one. Just <laughs> uh, like with even numbers. I got Seventeen <laughs> wins, uh, uh, ten draws, four losses. I got. I don't even think that's right. I just wanted it to add up to thirty-one. <laughs>
0: uh, that's you know that's uh, half the victory right there. Bj's defense yeah. uh, the Guy behind the question says, greetings, and Alan, as always. How's it going, gentlemen, tonight? Gally, what is your guess?
1: I'm going to go 19 wins, 7 draws,
0: 5 losses. Ah. You know what? Bickler, you were almost there, man. Almost there. 18 wins. Oh. So it's 18, 9, and 4 is our records. 9 draws, 4 Dang, losses. that's pretty close. That is pretty darn close, actually. Almost impressive. That's like two weeks in a row, I think, man. It's close. Impressive. But not as impressive was obviously the game this weekend, Saturday morning, crack of dawn. It was so early, we figured we wouldn't even do a pre-match show. Victor, what the hell happened?
2: I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I mean, apparently everybody was still asleep at the hotel because, like, for fuck's sake everybody it was just like no no energy you know there's that mad stat out there something like we the last six league games we've conceded first or something like that and it's like you can physically watch us come out and kick the ball off in a match and wait and see what the other team does and then respond accordingly and like that's really troubling to me because like i remember when we built our brand on kicking the ball off like metaphorically wrestling somebody to the ground and then putting our foot on their neck. And like, I feel like that's gone. Like, I feel like, I feel like we're like the schoolyard bully. Now that just sees how hard we got to fight before we figure out what we're going to do. And like, that's concerning.
0: I think that was like the biggest disappointments. I mean, we'll talk about it. It's about like these early games, morning games for us, not as morning for them, but still early games that, you know, we regularly, are not good at and definitely do not start them good. That's for sure. But I mean, I think we talked about it last week when we were doing the predictions. My biggest fear was we knew Galley that Fulham was going to come out just all hyper back in the premier league. That place was going to be rocking. We're away. And it felt like we were nowhere near ready to match that intensity.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. They they came out and they had great intensity. Their supporters showed up. They got, you know, a big new stand that they're all excited about, and they had a good they had a good start to the first 15 minutes of the match. But can we all just like pump the Jets? They didn't play that great. They still started a 33-year-old American at center back. And we made them look we made their defense look like they were world beaters for the first 15, 20 minutes. They did nothing. They had the ball. They had possession. They had all the opportunities early. They won every 50-50 challenge. And, you know, for all the talk about the early morning matches, the other team had to get up early in the morning and play as well. And they're also professionals. So this idea that playing at 1230 lunchtime kickoff game was like a detriment for us and some advantage to Fulham. It looked to me like whatever the pre-match conversation was, it wasn't heard by the players. Cause they did not come out with the same level of intensity as Fulham. And to Paul's point, I think it is six matches in a row. We concede it first. And the sad part is, is the last five times we were able to come back and win from a losing position. And in this case, we couldn't make that happen. We tried, right? We, we claw back twice, but ultimately we couldn't. And what's just as alarming <clears throat> to me. These aren't just, we concede first. We concede within 10 to 15 minutes of each of these matches. So we're conceding early without even without even being able to put our imprint on the match. We're already on the back foot. And that's hard enough when teams are playing a low block against you. But when you're giving teams a one goal cushion, it makes it a lot easier to put, you know, ten guys behind the ball. Heck, at times they had eleven behind the ball in the first half.
0: I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, Fulham didn't play maybe great football, but they definitely had more of the intensity and more of the work rate that, you know, we're supposed to be known for. And it kind of like showed, I mean, that's what those 50-50 balls basically ultimately boiled down to is that intensity being on it, being alert and all that kind of stuff. And it just was not there. I think for me, the, the most challenging part was, I mean, we're talking about on the discord channel as we're watching the game, it was kind of harder to find decent above average performances. And it was, because it seemed like, you know, you can always have players have an off day. Or you can have a couple of players off day. But it almost felt like more than half the team was having an off day. In is with us. In what's happening? Join the discussion as we try to dissect what happened. Bickler, you're the angry man over here. I mean, you look at this, like, 11. And, you know, this is the 11 we expected. and This is the probably, like, the best 11 we have right now. We can talk... Bobby Nunez kind of an ordeal. But even before that, I think we all agreed that this will be the lineup. And it just felt like there was literally no one up for it. So it was all wrong. Like tactically,
2: like I didn't think the movement was very good. I didn't think the spacing was very good. Uh, Like we were sloppy in possession, like the possession stats for the first half said we had 72% possession which is insane considering the fact the first 12 minutes was paid was played entirely in our own half, like entirely. So like, I don't even know. I mean, that, that was surprising to me when I saw those statistics, but like, dude, we were second to everything and you know, how Klopp is on, on, you know, winning the second ball. We won none of them and we didn't even look like we were in the discussion, like to, to win much of anything. And I don't know, man, like, Fabinho was sucked up really high Like so the spacing between him And the center backs was like really big Like it was just It was really odd man Like I just Everyone looked super lethargic and sloppy And then just like I thought our shape was wrong Like it was just
0: Yeah none of it was any good And despite you know like when you came back Sometimes you know you feel like Okay this is what we needed We're back We're going And it just I'll be honest. It never really felt like that. I felt when we scored and when we like tied it up, it was just like, okay, now is the time, you know, we got to get another one. And it just felt like it, it never felt like it was about to happen.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it didn't. Um, I, I mean, we'll get into this, right. But like, if we look at the substitutes, that's what changed the match. And that's a major problem when you're bringing in James Miller as the catalyst for change um and he is the guy that jumpstarts everything and you know and galley can speak to it a little bit because he mentioned it earlier but yeah we just started lumping the ball forward to nunez and like a, a desperation attempt to get in and like it did create some spark but that neither one of those can be the plan going forward they just can't it's not sustainable in terms of james milner but it's not the way we play football in terms of darwin and it just um it's nice to see we got some of those changed, but it's just odd, man. Like it's, it's just the whole thing was, was strange in general. Um, So, I mean, let's hope we got the dust knocked out of that and we can move on. But like, dude, like you you shouldn't, this is supposed to be a revenge tour. I mean, this is supposed to be the year that we go out and win the league. And like, you can't, you can't have a side that needs G and up before the first match of the game. You know, we talk about mentality monsters and, I don't know, man. It's really disappointing to see that sort of mindset come out um, because that's all it can be. That's, that's got to be a mindset going out and to to just be that lethargic, that lackadaisical um, and spend 65 minutes figuring out how to actually get some effort in.
0: Is it just as simple as that then, Gally? I mean, not a lot of like X's and O's, if you will, but more about we just did not come out with the right attitude if we had, we had the, shown the intensity that, you know, we're known for, and we regularly do, I mean, obviously the, the team on the field was more than enough. I know we're going to talk about midfield and the injuries and all that kind of stuff, but forget the freaking injuries. you, I mean, we're looking at the 11 that we put out there. It, I mean, that's the 11 that we tried out there for big games.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that, I guess, to my point, before we even get to the second half and scoring goals, you know, in the first half, it wasn't just effort. It was awareness. I mean – on the first goal, Virgil, Virgil of all people, breaks the high line and plays the, the right winger that ends up making the extra space by Robo, and then they make the extra pass, and then the cross, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about Mitrovic. He's probably still climbing on Trent, and Trent's still got his back foot on the ground thinking he's going to head the ball clear. Allison's got his feet work all wrong. He's off balance laying. You know, it's, it's a comedy of errors all across the entire pitch. And to me, that goal, that first goal, it almost exemplified the whole day. There was a big diagonal and switch. We turned the ball over in midfield. I think it was Fab turns the ball over in midfield. Virgil drops the high line. Robo doesn't close the cross. And Trent gets beat at the back post and Allie's flat-footed. It was literally like a comedy of errors across the entire line, none of it funny. So we can talk about attitude and mentality, but – if they had just done the jobs that we've seen them do for so many times with the intensity that they normally do it. And the organization to me, the shape was wrong. Their attitude was wrong. And more than anything, I also think that they got punched in the mouth and they didn't respond. And and that was troubling for me because normally when we give up a goal like that, we at least start to really play well. And I felt like we just, we just, we never got off to the races for the first 60 minutes of the match. And I think that's got to be troubling when you could argue Diaz was probably the most influential player down the left-hand side. Him and Robo had a couple of nice uh, overlaps and interchanges yet still with a couple of opportunities. And I know he hits the post on that short angled shot, but Diaz had a couple more opportunities to get the ball on frame and didn't again. And I think at some point we're going to have to start talking about, he puts himself in all these great spots now we got to start seeing some of those turn into goals.
0: Yeah, so th- that's the question now that I have for you, Bickler, because, I mean, this is probably, as a back line, is probably like the worst I've seen us play. And we've had games where we have conceded more, but it just felt like not only defensively, like Van Dyke's diagonals, <laughs> I think like 90% of them were short. <laughs> the the ball that he like normally sends over to Mo you know, most of them got intercepted. They were too short. And then obviously he makes that. I It's an error. And I think to me, it's a soft, it's but it's a clear penalty in the penalty. And then this goals build up that Gally was talking about. Is it just the back line having a bad day? Or is it that midfield not having the best day, making the bad line back line look even worse? I just didn't know it was chicken, egg or what the hell the deal is.
2: I mean, I think it's all of the above. I think everybody was bad. I think like, the spacing between the midfield and the center back pairing was an issue for the entire match until Fabinho left. And I think Fabinho caused definitely created some issues with his positioning um, and the turnovers in midfield just didn't stop. I thought Verge looked really bad. I mean, we sat there and tried to dissect the penalty – on a world class center back that knows better than to get his foot anywhere near in that situation. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, as a center back, I mean, at the very elementary schoolboy level, you know that, like, if you're late there, you're not putting your foot over there because there's going to be contact of some sort. And if there's not, the striker is going to go over and make it difficult anyway. And there's going to be a decision one way or the other. And I just think, you know, he was half a step late to everything. Everything was half a foot short going forward. It was just ugly, man. Like, it's all the way across the board. I mean, we could talk about Luis Diaz finishing. I, I'm not as concerned about that as most people are. I mean, sure, it's going to pop up. I mean, I thought he had a world-class strike. They got ruled out off sides. That strike yeah. was phenomenal. So, I mean, I, I mean, he, he can obviously do it. Um you know, concerned about Bobby's apparent lack of pace. Like there seems to be a significant drop off in what we've seen in the past. And I know he's getting older and I know he's been banged up, but he's healthy and fit. He still has that creativity, that work rate to come and drive in the midfield. But if he doesn't have the space to separate, that's going to be an ongoing issue unless we switch formation and he gets plugged into like the 10 hole, which I'm just not convinced is going to happen anyway. So, I mean, there's issues all across the board, like – I honestly thought the best player on the entire day uh, was James Milner. Like, I mean, not only from, like, the work rate, but, like, the quality of delivery from both wings when he was working out wide right, wide left, and getting balls driven in. Like, he was creating service into the box. I mean, that we just should have seen from the first minute. And it just, yeah, that's a scary, scary thing
0: all the way around. I think the like, and that was what was very apparent when Milner came in. Is Milner physically? It was a regular Liverpool player in terms of his intensity, physicality. He was not phased by the physicality that he faced. Like he faced, so he was playing a normal Liverpool player game, and it's sad, Galli, that because kind of like Bickler says, it stood out because nobody else was really doing it.
1: Yeah, I, I I, mean, when they first made the first double substitution, you know, and everyone was all excited, too, in Discord, we were talking about it. Everyone's, oh, get Harvey into the match. Harvey comes into the match. And then 20 minutes went by, and I was like, is Harvey playing? Because it really added very little. I mean, I know he was coming in for Tiago. It's a tough uh, ask for him. but. It, it just felt like, you know, and he does a great job when he, he links up with Mo. And I do think they have a really good understanding. And as time goes on, there could be something really special when they play on the right-hand side together, especially if Trent, you know, has his offensive game with him. But the the the, the movements that we saw, kind of that stagnant play, you know, Nunez obviously brought a directive he, he brought a point forward to play through and we all asked you know would they play him as like more of a traditional number nine and it did feel in that match like we did um do i expect us to be lumping the ball forward and him knocking balls down for mo not if we're going to be uber successful because that's not the type of football Klopp wants to play um and the back heel flick was nice but let's be honest it takes a deflection off the defender or it's probably saved or goes wide of the post. So, you know, even the goal he scores, um, he, it, it just looked to me like we were off at, we were off on the pace everywhere on the pitch. And I just think that it all started with the way the midfield was made up. And the, I'm, I'm going to just echo Paul's point. If the 37 year old guy is coming off your bench and is your best player on the day, you have to really start taking looks in the mirror if this is supposed to be the revenge tour to go run down, you know, the Premier League title again because I don't know that's happening if James Milner is, you know, needing to make 38 point saving appearances.
0: Yeah, so let's look at Bobby cuz I think the biggest conversation is going to be as we kind of head over and look at the Crystal Palace game, which I said this in the post match as well. I really think Knowing the team, knowing club, and kind of like club's reaction after the game, I would not want to be Palace right now because I really feel like we're going to come out a totally different game and a totally different team than what we're used to. I guess the biggest question is going to be who's going to be starting. I mean, was it? Be- it's not like when Nunes came in, you know, Nunes replaced Bobby and everything turned great. We just were like, kind of like that's when we were making the push, and I think like Nunes obviously helped the cause. But Bickler, if you're making a lineup, do you still keep things the same and send this 11 out there? Obviously, you can't send Tiago out there. But to make things right and show them what they're made of, or do you make a change and put the guy that made an impact in the scoreline?
2: That's such a a tough call. I I think I probably stay with Bobby here. I mean, I think it's still early enough in the season. i probably stick with Bobby. I still think he does things and opens up spaces for both Diaz and and Mo that Darwin doesn't. Um, If we're staying
0: 4-3-3, I'd probably start him versus Crystal Palace. How about you there, Gally? You are like, president of the Bobby fan club? Not really. I actually – yeah,
1: that's (laughs) complete bullshit because that was my takeaway from the City match was how great Bobby looked. Um, what, you know, what it comes down to for me is, is what does Klopp want to do with this match? If he wants to go from the rip, I think he probably should start in a four, two, three, one, and he should play Hendo and fab and he should play Bobby and Nunez and go on the attack. I don't think he will. We've talked about this. I don't think they do it enough. Um, I would do that. If you're asking Chris Gallivan, what he would do, he would start. Nunez through the middle and Bobby in the 10, because what I saw at least this weekend against Fulham was Bobby was struggling against what I consider two sub tier championship level center backs. He was creating zero separation from them. He had some great pressing. He had some great touches and he even had a couple nice little flicks around the box and some nice one twos. We know he has that, but I think at this point, him running down balls or getting into the channel and creating space for Mo and Diaz might not be as fluent as we've seen in past years because my concern last year was it looked like a guy who was really starting to lose a little bit of his top-end pace. And if that's the case, I think he needs to play more in the pocket instead of dropping into that pocket. And I think in that case, if Bobby's going to start, he starts this next match either in the ten. Or in some f- version of a midfield three. Because I just don't know that you can sit uh, You can sit Nunez from the start.
0: See, I feel like it will be kind of like what Klopp does in the second half when we have a stinker in the first half. Kind of like trot out the same crew and say, make this right, do what you're supposed to do. I really think, obviously, Thiago is not going to be there. Uh, Ian says Elliot instead of Thiago. I think if he's healthy, we don't know what this illness is, uh, but if he's healthy, I think Keita will be there uh, playing. But I think we put the same lineup out there and not have Nunez, you know, use Nunez as that off-the-bench energy guy for the time being. I think it's a bit harsh on Bobby. And I know what, you know, Bickler is saying in terms of like pace and stuff like that. I mean, he was never like, you know, a really speedy guy. His thing is more about like movements. And he did still create, he was confusing the hell out of those center backs where Diaz was able to make a couple of those runs behind. I mean, in the first half, Mo was pretty invisible. And more importantly, when Bobby was making those center backs move around, none of our passes that are diagonals from the back or the long balls coming from the back were accurate. So even when you create the space and you have like Diaz and Mo make a run behind, we just could not get the ball to them. So I think that obviously makes Bobby worse than he is because he's there to kind of like shift people around a little bit. I still think Bobby starts and, you know, we get uh, Nunez off the bench in case of an emergency, kind of an ordeal. Or I think he's almost like slated to come in later in the second half either way, regardless of how the game is going. But I guess the bigger issue now that I know will make Bickler even more pouty and angry is when we talk about the whole midfield situation and injuries. So <clears throat> is this just the perfect storm Bickler or how mad are you? i literally let Dude, you. I just want to fucking skip this segment altogether.
2: <laughs> like I just, I literally just don't even want to talk about this. Like, I mean, yes, it's the perfect storm. It's the perfect storm. that has been happening for fucking two years now. Like, we have like a top four, we have a top four midfield that's had age and durability issues, a combination thereof, for like literally two years. We've had two full summer windows to address it. And we got the whole COVID thing, and we're not gonna spend this window. And then this is the window we were gonna invest, right? And like I just do not get it. And I know people are gonna be like, Oh, we got Harvey's gotta play, and what do you do with Curtis Jones? And what do you do with Carvalho? And it's like, look, those are players that do well in advanced positions. And can Harvey play an eight? I think he probably can. Can Curtis Jones play an eight? We don't know yet because it's such a mixed bag. And, like, I don't think those are players that you can rely on throughout the season as guys that are going to back up those four. We're still in a situation where we're hooking Fabinho and sending James Miller in. And I'm sorry, that's not good enough. It's not good enough. In any other suitable backup, the Fabinho is you pulling Henderson back, which when, then what do you do there? Like, it's just not, it's not good enough. And like, there's players out there, there's players available. And like, I don't know if this is Klopp being stubborn and being like, I want this player. And if I can't have him, I'm not going to have anybody. And maybe that's the case. But like, to me, this is bordering on like dangerous either naivety or arrogance. And I don't think Klopp's stupid. So I'm going to go with arrogance. And, like, I, it's that fits because we came out like an arrogant team that didn't care this week, this last week, Chris Poland. And, like, I just fucking had it, man. Like, it's been such a glaring, obvious hole for this side for so long. And the fact that we haven't addressed it, in my opinion, is completely reckless. And if it doesn't get addressed, we don't deserve to win the league, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, almost like we added a player in Carvalho – who more probably suits what we already had but we never did a backup for it suits a know, formation that we refuse to play we exactly this is
2: for a four, it's the same thing with Darwin we, we bought players and we were in for Chuamini and we bought players for a 4231 four, and then we're not going to play it it just it makes no fucking sense to me none
0: so gally Klopp says I know that will now come up it's clear I, sh- I wish i could do the half german accent but i'm not gonna even worry about that i'll do the turkish accent uh we said we don't need a midfielder because we have enough and we actually have enough but the problem now is get punished for something that is not a responsibility i think the most important part here is this part right here and um, what is your take on this he says look a transfer must make sense now And in the long term, we have midfielders. We still have enough midfielders. It's not that we lack midfielders. It's just some of them are injured. This is not a good switch situation. I don't like it at all. But we have to see how we react on that. But for sure, not panicking. What is the moral of that story?
1: Blah blah blah. Yeah, he's full of shit. Blah blah. (laughs) Damn, you guys are angry. No, you know what that was? That was literally like. That was, that was like the adult speaking on Peanuts. It was like you couldn't hear it, right? It was just like everyone's talking and you can't actually hear it. Oh, I thought you meant like my said... reading or something. <laughs> well, no. I mean, that was that was also tough, but that was just the Turkish accent. Um, thank God I got Some time you. Time on. You had to look down and look up all at once. You kept looking down and up and then you'd lose your space. It was pretty good. Um, I'm happy you didn't try to put Klopp's accent on that. That would have been even worse. Yeah, I'll so, work on my
0: German accent.
1: You know what I take out of that? A little bit, I'm protecting the club. A little bit, I pick the goddamn players and there's nobody out there I want it. And that's what I take out of it. I wanted to, Hashemi. I couldn't get him. I told them to try to get me Bellingham. It was clear it wasn't happening. And they told me if I really want him, then I should keep my piggies in the piggy bank. And next year, maybe we'll get him. And the fact that we, and I know Paul's not a big fan of the player but for how cheap as Renato Sanchez moved for, for how, for the fact that Frank Kessie from AC Milan was a free transfer for the fact that, um, you know, heck city go out and spend the money on Calvin Phillips. I don't know if he would have been any great shakes or if he would have fit in our system, but he'd be a hell of a lot better cover for fab than Henderson moving back and bringing in Harvey Elliott for Henderson, in my opinion. And they refused to look at the Sangari kid from PSV. Now the kid just re-ups and signs a new deal. You could have signed Basuma. There were players out there that weren't going to cost you so much that you couldn't bring them in for a year or two and move them on for a profit. But instead, we, we build up Tyler Morton all off season, telling me he's a number eight, training as an eight, still a number six, and then we send him to Blackpool on loan. And now we're short midfielders. So I I struggle with the idea that they didn't see this coming. And I struggle with the idea that he doesn't know that they don't have enough. And when you're talking about Keita, Tiago, Fab, Henderson, and Ox, you're talking about players that have all missed upwards of five to ten matches over the last two to three years. And for Ox, that's just a month.
2: Yeah, I get angry when we sit here and Klopp says stuff like it's something that's beyond our control It was unavoidable because that's extremely disingenuous, extremely disingenuous. He knows his players better than anybody. Have we ever seen those four healthy at the same time for longer than a two-match span? I
0: don't know that we have. Okay, so let me play devil's advocate because it's what I do and I'm good at it. So Klopp... I mean, first of all, he's a manager. He's not going to say, yeah, man, we're in shambles. We need midfielders. It just doesn't make sense. And I don't think it's probably like, you know, and he's not going to say, yeah, Ox is never healthy. <laughs> we we know that. But he's not going to say that. He's going to be like, oh, you know, we never could have expected this and all that kind of stuff. But here's my thing. And I do agree. It's I think, to me, it's more a matter of, you know, if whatever it takes at the time, maybe we should have gone after Bellingham or whoever. I guess my bigger question is if... We criticize other clubs, and we've kind of like praised Liverpool. Just think about the Van Dijk deal, for example, right? We didn't go and get another center back that was less, even though we did need it at the time. And we kind of praised the club for waiting for the guy that he really wanted, and we went and eventually got him aren't we kind of like kind of playing the other game now and saying, well, get somebody for the next couple of years. Cause we criticize other clubs for doing that. And it doesn't really fit what we're talking about when we praise some of the other moves that we make.
1: But I'm not asking you to go spend a hundred million on Declan Rice. Cause we can't spend 130 on Bellingham. I'm asking you to bring in a live body that fills a void for 22, 23. Cause it's a season in which a midfielder was needed to compete at the highest level. And I think you're letting down these players by not bringing in that depth or bringing in those stop gaps. You know, not every transfer can be for five years down the road. Not everyone is a young player that you build up and not everyone, you know, there are times you buy a player for right now to fill a hole and it might be your third or fourth midfielder, but it's a player that can come in and support your squad. And I don't believe that we have those. I mean, let's take Tiago, for example, right? The last memory anyone has of Tiago in the Premier League is making a sidewards pass and holding his hamstring in the 46th minute of the Wolves match last year. And it's the same exact memory we have in the first match of this year, making an innocuous pass and holding his hamstring, and now he's going to miss six weeks. Or, Or reports are he might miss six weeks. I think if a guy gets hurt at the end of last year, and has been arguably hurt basically every 10 to 15 matches that are available for him to be fit and play for you at your two years at the club. You have to prepare that by the next year, those injury concerns are only going to increase. And that's been the same with Cade and Henderson. And to be honest, Fabinho has struggled for the last two months of last year. He wasn't the same player. He didn't really look like the same player throughout the preseason. And then he's had maybe his worst performance in a red uniform on Saturday morning. So for me, you know, there's huge question marks in the midfield. I, I thought we would like patch it together and piecework it. But I, I think there's a lot of big, big questions. And if a couple of them don't fire back to form and we don't get yeoman's work out of Henderson and Kata. And I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. We need Jordan Henderson and Nabi Kata to literally play the next 10 matches together every match. And that's probably not going to happen. So Klopp can sit there and say, we don't need reinforcements or we have everything we need. We just need them to be healthy. But we know now that Ox and Thiago aren't going to be healthy for the next six weeks. So now what?
0: What do you think, Bickler? I mean, I don't know if you understand my point in terms of, I don't don't think we ever will, I mean, we kind of showed this before, maybe to our detriment, take, you know, do temporary transfers. We either going to get exactly what we want, or we're going to go the young routes, and not really. God, we're just like, not going to do it. Well, I mean, exactly. Uh, I, I think mean, my, like, my problem with that, that guy. We're not going to go spend $20, 25 million on somebody who we're not one hundred percent sold on, just because we can't get the hundred million dollar one. We, it's just Look, not we, something that we've done.
2: We've done this long enough that the club has a list of players, like the length of your arm for each position that they've looked at and are considering. Like, go get Sanderberge, 24 years old at Sheffield Wednesday. We've been high on him since 2018. He wanted to go to he, – he fancied the Liverpool move when he was playing in the Belgian League for Genk. Like, go get him for $15 million. He can play all three positions, including the holding mid position, and he's still a prime asset age. You can move him in two or three years if he doesn't end up being the level you want. But at least you have a player that can play the, the system – can play across multiple fronts in the system, is that a prime asset age isn't on crazy wages and not going to cost you a lot in the transfer. You're telling me the club doesn't have multiple players that fit that? Then that's just bad planning. And I don't believe that we're not smart enough to have some sort of a contingency plan. Like, I don't believe that. I just the, the, The fact that we haven't executed, that we haven't pulled the trigger on some sort of contingency plan around the midfield to me is inexcusable completely inexcusable I said, and I don't get
0: money because the, you know, based on that price, you're saying it's not the money. It's more club stubbornness or feeling like we either get that guy. Dude, or
2: you lose seven and a half million dollars just in TV money per place on the table. Like go get somebody that's 15 million and plug them into the squad. So you have that depth. Like it doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely zero sense to not go spend in an area. That's a glaring need. And it doesn't have to be, I don't think it has to be a 40 million or 40 to 50 million pound player. It doesn't have to be.
0: But you think that's from Klopp or the club is what I'm asking?
2: I don't know. I really don't know. I think it's a combination. I think if it's it's a combination of the club letting Klopp know that, you know, there's financial realities. And I think there's a little bit of arrogance on Klopp's part. That's like, fine, I'm just going to wait and get my guy. Like, I think Ali's probably spot on. I think it's a combination of the two. Um, and you know, I like, I love Jurgen Klopp. I think he's done some tremendous things. Like, I think that he is one of the best managers that we've ever seen in terms of building a culture. Like, I think he, like the way that he gets in players that are quality people, not just quality players, I think is unreal. And the the fact that he's basically knit the fabric of this team in the community in, in during the modern football age, I think is unbelievable. I do think he's flawed. And I think one of his flaws is that he does have a little bit of arrogance to him. And I also think that about 80% of what comes out of his smiling, like sort of warm embodiment is bullshit. I think a lot of the times he's just telling people things that he thinks they want to hear, or he's speaking around an issue and diverting and sort of moving the goalposts um, to protect the club and the players. So like, I don't trust anything that comes out of his mouth in terms of this. I just think at the end of the day, when we look at this, There's just no excuse for us to not have a quality player that we can plug in for this situation. There's no excuse. We know all these players. Nothing has changed. They're doing exactly the same thing they've done for the last two years. These soft tissue injuries, the ox big injury, none of this is new to us. We know all this about these players. There are no surprises
0: here. Yeah, that's the thing. When you look at that list, there's really like nobody like they're like, oh, who would have known he would have got an injury kind of a deal. Like when we had the center back issue, you kind of have a little bit of that. You had Asshole was injury and then, you know, it was kind of like a perfect storm. But we saw the stubbornness even then, you know, we were like, nope, we're good. We'll just put Henderson as center back. We're good. We'll put Favinio as center back. And we kind of, you know, like really screwed that up. So let me ask you. So Gally, you think it's a combination as well? I just almost feel like like club will be OK, but, the, you know, The club is like, well, I mean, if you're gonna get those 15, thirty million dollar guys, don't forget about the other guy that you want, like that's gonna cost eighty million kind of a deal. Or it's just the fact that Klopp is more about that culture and keeping that team instead of making them feel like, nope, we need more reinforcements. You guys are not gonna stay healthy ever.
1: Well, I I think that Klopp Klopp would like players, right? And and he wants his players. But let's be honest: when Jurgen Klopp is your manager, you love the man. You love the snarkiness. You love the smiles. You love the jokes and the, all the hugs, right? And the pump in the fist. And if he's not your manager, you listen to him and you're like, he sounds like just every other manager and he makes an awful lot of excuses. You know, how do you feel? How angry are you today? Out of out of 10, I'm a 12. Blah, blah, blah. This team, it's not acceptable. We can't play that way. But let the me pitch tell you, the pitch, was, the pitch was dry. And that had something to do with why our balls weren't moving fast. They were playing on that pitch too, Jürgen. Like – the, it, it was a yeah,
0: to out, but I think that's kind of blown out of proportion. That's one thing he said. I know you know everybody ran with that headline that he said that the pitch was dry, but he's not like you know he put that on he there makes an, I think that was just he, like a side thing of you know a sucking why say
2: it? Why say it? All you do when is you're, take all this so off so the players.
1: Yeah, what was that? I, I feel he does that a lot. He 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 wants to take the pressure off of his players, yeah. to Paul's point, which is great. Except for in this situation, there's no need to take the pressure off the players. They were hot mess garbage. So don't talk about the pitch. Because all that does is, you know, the old adage, right? Bill Parcells used to say, give an athlete an excuse and he'll use it. And that's what Klopp does at times. He goes to the podium and he talks about things that he wants the story to be about. He wanted them to run with that. Because if they ran with the fact that Jurgen Klopp blames the pitch, it isn't about Jurgen Klopp's midfield wasn't good enough to beat a promoted side. And that that's what the real issue for me is, is you can move the goalposts all you want. Yeah, but the what's story- wrong with that?
0: What's wrong um, with making that the discussion? You can talk in the locker room about how the midfield sucked, and you can keep that in-house. I think that's him... Like you're saying, protecting the players. And I don't know, like, what is wrong with that in terms of let's all the Facebook, Twitter bozos focus on and then blame him for making that as an excuse in the locker room. I'm sure he's not telling the guys, you guys did great. The fucking pitch sucked. So, like, yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, I do see that. I just, you know what it is? I'm sick of it. There's never any talk about uh, dry pitches when we win four to one, or we have a a blinder and we beat City three nothing or three one in the in the Community Shield, right? All it was was wonderful, and this is how great we are, and and we're doing everything right, and these boys are so ready. And then a week later, they weren't. And I think sometimes I would have rather him left it as where's my level of frustration out of ten a twelve. It's on my players. It's on me. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get together in training. We're going to figure it out. Look at the tactics. We'll be better for Palace. I don't think it needed any of the other stuff. It didn't need to be talked about five subs last year, all year long, when you're making two, an average of less than two subs a match. You don't need to talk about five subs. It wasn't, it wasn't needed, but he wanted to get it out there that he didn't think that the way the league was going. He's a brilliant man. He doesn't say anything. For no reason, which is why when he lays out a missive that takes you 45 seconds to read, we all know there's a whole bunch of little underlying nuggets in there. And what it read like to me is, is I'm not telling you we don't have enough talent. I'm not telling you that we could use more talent, but I'm telling you we got an injury problem. Go buy me somebody. To me, that was a call for players, not him saying he didn't want players. And he just does it through the media. And I See, that's don't know that was that's the most- So
0: you take that as him kind of saying, "Hey, we need somebody over here." because I was kind of like he kind of like talked from both sides of his mouth over there. It was like, "I mean, we don't need anybody, but we do have somebody, but we don't have anybody, kind of a deal. That's why I was like asking you guys what you guys took from that. So you're thinking that's more like a message to the, the powers that be that we need to bring somebody in.
1: It's either we need to bring somebody in, or it's speaking to the players in the room to say some of you need to step the f up.
0: Yeah, I guess it could be a combination of both. That's a good point. So Bickler, does anything happen? Does the powers do the powers that be hear that? Did they just read my Turkish accent reading that again, or we just move along? As I don't think planned?
2: it's, I don't think it's. Look, if you're in Klopp wanted a midfielder, I think he could get a midfielder. I don't think it's that. I don't think he's speaking to the owners of the media. I think it's just a non-answer, which is what he does. He gives non-answers, and I think I, I have no faith that we're going to go get anybody. Uh, I think that he thinks that like this will correct itself over the course of the season, um, and we'll be fine. Uh, I just think that that's what he thinks, and I think it's because he's stuck on somebody that he wants that he can't have right now. Um, and I got to tell you what, dude, I'll say the same thing. Like, if it's Bellingham we should have figured out a way to get that done now because it's not happening next year. His price is going to be 40% higher at the bare minimum. There's going to be multiple clubs, including real Madrid involved. It's not going to happen next year. Like if that was the case, we should have just gone and figured out how to get a pre deal done. Like we did with Naby. Um, It's just, I don't know. It's like, I'm just fucking irritated in general because it's like, this is the same conversation we've had for two years and we knew it needed to be addressed and we didn't address it and now we're gonna act shocked. And it's just
0: it's irritating. I think the whole thing with the Bellingham is as perfect as it would be, I mean, we're still talking, I think we're all basically we're saying that it would be kind of like a Keto like deal. So really, regardless, you know it would not solve the problem for this season, which is, you know, so we still need to get the kind of player that, you know, like you're talking about Gally in terms of, you know, like a stopgap or maybe somebody who can kind of like help us out and get some depth that were there for like two, three seasons, and maybe a potential mini gamble kind of thing. But so do you see something happening Gally? Get that crystal I, ball I, out.
1: I, I don't, but like when I said earlier, like we could have signed Basuma for 40 million. That's not a stopgap. And no offense, you pay that much now for a defensive midfielder in the Premier League with experience. He would have been Fab's cover and maybe push Fab to win his job. I mean, Bellingham comes in, he's going to, what, just take Henderson's job right away? I mean, is that that's the idea, right? He walks in, he takes number eight, he slides into Jordan's role. I mean, you're buying to have depth for years to come. So I just feel like this whole idea that, if if we're only going to buy first team 11, then no Liverpool fan will, or supporter ever wants to buy anyone because I never hear any one of our players needs to be replaced. You know, they're all good enough to start every year and every week. And, you know, that was my whole argument with Mane. Everyone wanted to buy a new winger, a new attacker, but then nobody wants to sit Mane, Mo, or Bobby. So it's like you have to get these guys and push them forward. My real question is this, will Jurgen at least tinker and or attempt at trying different people that might solve a problem. So, you know, Costas plays a left midfield role for Greece at times when at, in certain formations. Like, would he give him a chance playing in the midfield and playing him in the Thiago role? Like, at some point, I hope he tries some other things because if he just rolls out the four or five guys we have to play midfield until everyone gets fit, I don't think that they're going to be, and this is not a let's move Trent to the midfield. He's the best right back in the world. I was going to say, some don't, point,
0: don't even I'm not going there. <laughs> but
1: but I, I, at some point, they're going to, I mean, you know, he played Nico a couple times up on the right wing in cup matches, purely out of need at the time because we were yeah. short such many bodies and he had the skill sets in his locker. At some point, you are going to have to try some different things because I don't have faith that Keita is going to be able to string it together. But to me right now, the next like six to eight weeks, it really hinges on Naby Keita giving us a strong run of form in this side. Because I really feel like he's the only one that could step up right now and fill that gap that we have. And then we're just going to have to wrap the other two aging midfielders that get injured in cotton and hope they don't get hurt.
0: I guess I mean if that's the, my answer to that is probably no. Like knowing Klopp and what we've seen over the years my answer is probably no. If anything, you know, you might try with a combination with Carvalho or maybe, you know, the the formation that we keep talking about with the 4231. I feel like that's maybe a bit more likely because then you can involve Carvalho and stuff like that in there too and get him more in the mix because I think that's like one area those guys lack in both Elliott's and Carvalho is the defensive side of things. What is your answer, Bickler? Do you think Klopp makes a change like that? It's very unlike Klopp in some ways, but. No, I mean, I mean, I've just talked about,
2: (laughs) I feel like I've complained about the fact that we've just been too rigid from a tactical standpoint for four years. And like, you know, like we just haven't had a plan B and I just don't see any sort of tactical shift away from that, even though all the personnel points towards that. Like, so yeah, I don't have any I'm not, I'm not feeling very optimistic
0: about much of anything right now. <laughs> yeah, I can sense that. Geez, I it's pretty sad when I'm the most optimistic one on the show. Uh, so galley, let's talk about this weekend real quick coming up. What do you expect in terms of lineup? What do you expect in terms of the game? Well, not weekend, I guess it's another Monday game, but
1: yeah, I, I hope he goes with a four, two, three, one and starts Bobby and Nunez together with Kata. Um, on and, and not even Kata, probably Bobby and Nunez and plays Hendo and Fab in a two-man pivot. I don't think he will. Um, I'll say he starts Nunez just because I said it earlier in the show, but I think it's a 50-50 coin toss. I think you guys are probably right. Bobby probably gets another start, Um, especially with United coming on the forefront after that because that's the type of match I could see him starting Bobby no matter what in. Um, So I'll say it's tried and true, 4-3-3, and it's Keita in for Thiago, I'll say Nunez, but it won't shock me when it's Bobby on opening day in the middle of the pitch. How about you, Bickler? Yeah,
2: I agree with Galli. I think it's going to be Cada for Thiago in a 4-3-3 with Firmino starting. I just hope we don't see some fucking weird thing where, like, he does this weird thing every once in a while where he flips Henderson to the left and plays Naby on the right. Even that both of those players play worse on those sides – like, I don't know why he does it, but he will randomly do it. Um, it might have to do something with defensive assignments, but I just am praying that handovers right and Naby stays left in that and that we don't see something weird like Milner starting on the left
0: side of that midfield. Yeah, I think it's basically the same lineup if – Kato's is healthy, which is a big if, but we don't know what the illness was. So I guess really it's hard to gauge if he's going to be, I guess we'll find out throughout this week if he practices and when he starts practicing properly and full. Uh, but I think, yeah, it's going to be either him. If not, I think we go back to the Elliott thing that one of the commenters were mentioning. I think Ian was the one talking about, you know, like putting Elliott's, but then obviously that pushes Hando to the left. And I know Bickler is not big on, but I'm not.
1: I'm not playing Elliot and Trent defending Zaha when everything they do comes down that side.
0: Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. But, I, you know, if Kata is not ready to go, you're doing the 4-2-3-1? Well,
1: I, I think Kata is going to be ready to go. Klopp said he was in training before the Fulham match. He just didn't have enough fitness to actually make so then the So to make it. So I think Kata's going to be there. If Kata's is there... And, and to Paul's point, I'm also not playing on the on the on the right-hand side with Trent defending Zaha, you know, because you're not going to ask Mo to do that much more. And I just think that there are good things that happen on the right when you let Hendo, Trent, and Mo do their thing. Um, you know, is there a shout or a possibility that Fabinho could not start this match and he could do the unthinkable, which is start Hendo in the six and Milner on the right, Kade on the left? I know it drives you crazy, Paul. But Unless there's you some know kind how- of an
0: injury, I just don't see him benching Fabinho, making it look like it was him.
2: I just cannot <laughs> believe the year is 2022 and we're talking about Miller and Henderson in the same midfield. I cannot believe it. Just,
0: Bring Genie he, back. Bring Sexy he, back he, to the midfield. He,
1: volu- <laughs> he voluntarily made that move. Bring Coutinho! Like, oh, yeah, there you made- go. You
0: can start to continue. So I'll get Genie back in there and we're good to go.
1: So he voluntarily made that move on Saturday and it was to yank Fabinho, not because he was worried about minutes, but because he was the worst player on the pitch.
0: But you can tell a player, yeah, you're having a stinker today, but kind of like almost like benching him the next day I'm going in. I don't know if I'm a player, I'm taking that as this game was my fault then because it was not like everybody sucked. That's why I'm almost expecting uh, the same team being tried out there. Obviously, Thiago can't due to his injury, but you know, go out there and show them how you're freaking supposed to. I'm really optimistic about this game, guys. Uh so yeah, why let's are you get so to... happy. Really I-, weird, I have dude. no freaking idea. I just like seeing it, man. Uh Gally, what do you have for a score prediction?
1: Uh I was gonna say 2-0, but I'm gonna actually say it's a tighter match than that. It's two to one. We will win it. Um, but I don't think it's going to be easy because I just don't see this team at this point, like anything easy for me to say, oh, yeah, they'll get a clean sheet. You know, Palace had been playing really well uh, before the running into the juggernaut that was Arsenal. So, you know, I'm going to say 2-1 Liverpool. We squeak it out.
0: Bickler, what do you have? This is a shocker. It's bizarre world this Monday. Go ahead. What do you have? I'm gonna yeah, have
2: two I one mean, I mean, Liverpool, and I'm gonna hate every minute of it. I'm gonna hate everyone afterwards because I still think it's gonna be like too close, and no one's gonna play well.
0: Yep. I'm expecting like a three zero or a four one Liverpool victory. Uh, two, They're what? going to come out and kick some ass. I'm telling you. I don't know why I feel that. Shelton says two one two. He's going with you guys. Alan Walnut says three one. Boys was selling like three one as well. Uh I'm thinking they're going to go out there full of piss and vinegar. Dude, I am
2: fairly certain just by your general demeanor tonight that your multivitamins got replaced with edibles. Like, (laughs) because you're like, you're incredibly happy and optimistic. It's just (laughs) extremely strange.
0: Oh, I don't know, but it feels good. No, uh, no, I don't know what it is, but I'm in a good mood today. And I really think I said this uh, on Saturday too, dang it's that, you know, they're going to come back. It's going to be a totally different thing. Let's just hope, you know, as tight as the margins are, I hope it's not, you know, uh, detrimental to the entire title run over here and stuff. We already started behind, which is not a good thing when the margins are low. Let's hope with the world cup and stuff, we kind of have like a different season this year where nobody's consistently winning left and right, especially city being that team. But, um, I really think they come out and they kick some ass. We go back to the regular Liverpool. You turn that frown upside down, Bickler, next week, and you'll have like a happy club behind you. Uh this has been great. This has been great. Yeah, maybe it was at almost okay. Well, any any parting thoughts, any more angriness to offset my happiness? What do we got? Gali, anything? Gali is just a so, shock.
1: <laughs> I am. I'm blown away. I, I feel like normally I would come in and start uh talking all kinds of shit and being all happy and saying we'd win four nil five nil you'd be telling me ah geez two one tops it's gonna be tough we just played poorly i come with like a realistic this is gonna be hard and you're like yeah i think yeah. we just put the sword to him because i saw so many good things last saturday that made me think that would happen um with less players
0: you know what? Available. This could be one reason I'm happy, by the way. Uh Boas says you should show the leaderboard for the Fantasy League. It's too early to pick up the big league, but in our Contributor League, when it's head-to-head, I took on the mighty fantasy player that Bickler is and squeaked a win. So, that could actually... You know what? There you go. Puzzle solved, Bickler. It was that yeah. win. It was, it was a tight one, but it was kind of... This is what I hate about fantasy. Another thing I hate about fantasy, where I had Holland's and I was just such torn. Like, he scored that penalty. I'm like, damn it. But at the same yeah. time, I'm beating Bickler. It's just torn. That's one thing I hate about. No, that. it was
2: a double loss because I lost to you and I really got beat by Holland, which felt like it, you know, it felt like cruel <laughs> and unusual. Like, it was unnecessarily cruel. Like, it's like, I'm cool. Like, it sucks bad enough to lose to to lose by, by just Holland just sitting there in a fucking yoga pose. Like,. <laughs> But uh, I know you're over there. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not convinced. It's, I'm not convinced it's fantasy. Something else is going on with you. I don't know if you got a stack of Lunchables over there. What's going on? But
0: yeah, you, you'll never know, buddy. That, you'll never know. It's, it's it that the camera.
1: It's that second dog that's on its way. It's the excitement that is the pain that will be that new puppy. Yeah, there's another. family.
0: you how to handle a dog, watch. You'll be like stitching no time watching the just, game with me. I just have to double up the the snacks.
1: Just so we're clear. You you gave me all this shit about this puppy and how Stitch was house trained in 2 days and he was sleeping through the night 5 minutes later this dog going to come into your house and literally just run rough shot over shit to the point where Stitch won't even, Stitch will be taking dumps in the middle of the floor once this puppy shows up so you think it's going to be bad now you wait that's probably what your penance is going to be for being so happy today
0: Oh man, yes, actually, that's going to be exciting next Monday. I'll be introducing the new puppy, uh, Leo. So it's going to be Leo and Stitch, uh, to the world that's Liverpool watching in the Uras household. He's going to be up for quite the experience, and I'm going to have to update my wall over there and throw an additional picture once he starts getting snacks. But we'll be back here next Monday with a Hopefully, we'll return to the regular. I'll be the pessimist. You guys can be optimist. Victor will always be crabby. Nothing's going to change there, so I shouldn't probably expect that. But we will be back after a win. We'll be talking about it fresh on the day of. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.